0: Uh, so let's, let's talk a little bit here. Um, I noticed that, uh, there we go. I noticed that Keith, uh, Eisenhower mentioned, um, (laughs) that he wasn't looking very hard this week. Great honesty, Keith. Thanks brother. Um, that's the way some weeks are. And so since you set the bar for honesty, I'm, I'm following up. Um, There's a big part of me that wants to be on the other side of this morning's gathering. It's not very pastoral thing to say, uh, because I'm, yeah. Yesterday afternoon, I decided to to throw out everything that I had done this week because my heart was not in that because I felt like there were other things that need to be talked about. And so we're just going to take a few minutes to talk about it. So it's going to be kind of bumbly all over the place, honestly. Um, because these thoughts are not well put together, but I'm not even sure how to say some of these thoughts and so So bear with me as we talk about subjects that are that are necessary to talk about but really difficult. Um, I can't breathe is a a phrase I've been using on and off for the past two weeks. My allergies have been really bad they they rise up every every spring and this is the worst week, and they, my eyes are itchy, and I want to just tear them out, and my throat gets thick, and I'm coughing and sneezing, and, uh, and I've said multiple times in this house, oh, I, I can't breathe. Uh, maybe some of you have said I can't breathe lately because uh, you're required to wear a mask when you leave the house to go into public places, and uh, you find it cumbersome and annoying. Uh, but i can't breathe this week once again as it has in the past it took on a heavier meaning that our country uh, can't ignore outside of of being the words that were repeated over and over by george floyd who was a black man whose life was taken intentionally by excessive force while people cried out to stop an abuse of power Um, the phrase i can't breathe has become an embodiment of a deep-seated reality of injustice in our country. Many of our brothers and sisters of color are unable to go about their normal lives without fear and suspicion playing a major role. It's a claustrophobic life that they experience too frequently without adequate breathing room. Uh, It's become a pandemic invisible to some of us but destroying the lives of others and so we're in the middle right now of two crises in our country and we've spoken a lot about the one and we've spoken just very little about the other and here's <clears throat> here's the problem here's my problem with all of this i have nothing to say and so this week as i uh, i don't i don't watch uh war films because violence disturbs me so much um I, I can't emotionally handle it because it, the idea of someone taking another's life is uh, so not the way that God intended our world to function that it's overwhelming to me. But I, I chose to watch the video this week. Um, after deciding not to for multiple days, I decided that, that was, um, it was my privilege to be able to ignore. And so uh, I did not want to take advantage of that privilege uh so it was deeply obviously as any of you have seen or even if you haven't seen it it's deeply disturbing i left um completely sorrowful and frustrated but the thing is i don't want to talk about this i I can think of a million reasons that we shouldn't really have this conversation on a sunday morning i can justify all of them conversation about racism it creates division um i should just teach the bible and let people work things out themselves There's probably more to the story because we've only seen it in part and we don't know everything that happened. Um, I'm completely unequipped to teach on anti-racism approaches at all. Uh, The world doesn't need to hear another white man talking about racism. The list of justifications goes on and on, I assure you, and I can keep this up all day long. Um, We could go about our normal Sunday, except there's this voice in Amos in chapter five.
1: And in chapter five, Of the book of Amos, um,
0: we read these words for a people who had become lost in their religion over the issues of justice. The word of the Lord comes through and says, I hate, despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are stench to me. Even though you bring me burnt offerings, um, I will not accept them, though you bring... Choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I won't listen to the music of your harps. But let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream. I've been deeply um, affected lately by the paraphrase of the message as it uh, talks about
1: um, a
0: street language kind of approach to this. And here's how the message paraphrase interprets this. I can't stand your religious meetings. I'm fed up with your conferences and your conventions. I want nothing to do with your religious projects and your pretentious slogans and goals. I'm sick of your fundraising schemes, your public relations and image making. I've had all I can take of your noisy ego music. When was the last time you sang to me? Do you know what I want? I want justice, oceans of it. I want fairness, rivers of it. That's what I want. That's all I want.
1: Amos's white, hot, prophetic
0: voice terrifies me. So I have to speak even when I have nothing to say, even when I feel so completely inadequate, even when I can't relate to a pain and a fear that is so common to so many of my brothers and sisters. We have to, as a church, as Christ followers, as as followers of a God who embodies justice, for people who are overlooked, oppressed, and mistreated. We have got to lend our voices um, to speak unequivocally that racism exists and is wrong in all of its forms. We have to say that we hurt with you, our brothers and sisters, and we are willing to listen. We will be advocates in ending both attitudes and policies that diminish the image of God and the sanctity of human life in any person. We do not have to be experts. We have to be faithful to the way of Jesus. We have to refuse to immediately say things like, yeah, but riots are bad too. We must mourn with those who are mourning and understand the rage and the anger that it produces. They are a part of us. Uh, John Donne has this quote in... uh, in uh, his writing that, that is called Devotions Upon Emergent Occasions. And you've probably heard parts of it. No man is an island entirely of itself. Every man is a piece of the continent, a part of the main. If a clod be washed away by the sea, Europe is the less, as well as if a promontory were, as, if, as well as if a manner of thy friends or thine own were. Any man's death diminishes me because I am involved in mankind and therefore never send to know for whom the bell tolls, it tolls for thee. The words any man's death diminishes me because I am involved in mankind means that we're diminished today. And I'm not sure how to proceed because I don't know what to say about it outside of that. So I started thinking uh, last night about what happens when we have nothing left to say what remains when our tongues are silenced by comfort, by fear, by despair, by lack of knowledge. And I thought about the scriptures where tongues are silenced and it was impossible to ignore first Corinthians chapter 13. The only time in the scriptures that I think about tongues being silenced. And so Paul speaks And he's writing in his famous chapter on love. And he says, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there's knowledge, it will pass away. So there's a time when tongues will cease, when the things that we say will end. And we have nothing left to say. There's times where our knowledge will be left short. And we won't know what we won't know. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. And after all of these things have gone after, there's nothing left to say. Now these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. So I guess we should talk about
1: faith, hope, and love for just a few minutes. Uh,
0: And I'm going to lend my voice to the voices of others. Faith is about trusting about who you are trusting in. Jesus says in Luke 4, he's come to do things like proclaim good news to the poor, proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free. These are the things that Jesus said he came to do. So when we have faith in Jesus, we have faith in an all-encompassing God who cares both for the deepest places within us and the deeply rooted systems of injustice around us. Uh, when I think about faith, one of the things that uh, we came upon was the words of Maya Angelou, and, uh, and, and her words, um, I am a Christian, and what faith looks like to her. So Bethany's gonna read the poem that Maya Angelou wrote.
2: I am a Christian by Maya Angelou. When I say I am a Christian, I'm not shouting, I'm clean living. I'm whispering, I was lost now i'm found and forgiven when i say i am a christian i don't speak of this with pride i'm confessing that i stumble i need christ to be my guide when i say i am a christian i'm not trying to be strong i'm professing that i'm weak and need his strength to carry on when i say i am a christian i'm not bragging of success i'm admitting i have failed And need God to clean my mess. When I say I am a Christian, I'm not claiming to be perfect. My flaws are far too visible, but God believes I am worth it. When I say I am a Christian, I still feel the sting of pain. I have my share of heartaches, so I call upon his name. When I say I am a Christian, I'm not holier than thou. I'm just a simple sinner, who received God's good grace somehow.
1: When we
0: aren't sure what to say and when our hearts break, we choose to have faith in the God that makes us something different. We choose to have faith. We choose to be Christians over and over again every day knowing that God's the work maker. God's the one who works. And it leads us to a life of love and, uh, or a life of, of hope, I mean, because of who God is. So as we think about hope, if faith is about who we are trusting in, hope is about what we are looking toward as we have faith. Uh, it's about, it's about holding on. So uh, in, a, uh, in a, a book called Out of Sorts, Making Peace of an Evolving Faith, uh, author Sarah Bessie writes on hope in a way that I believe is appropriate when, uh, when nothing much is left but faith, hope, and love. So Bethany's going to read an excerpt from uh, her book about hope.
2: I think one of the most important things I can hang on to as I follow Jesus through this world is hope. In fact, I've come to see hope as a radical act of faith and courage, an embodiment of the kingdom and vital to our work for justice. Because I believe in the redemptive movement of God, moving the story of humanity further into God's purposes and heart for us, one story at a time. I have faith in the soon coming kingdom and I believe we know how the story ends all things restored, all tears wiped from our eyes, love wins, and because of the millions of places where heaven is already breaking through on earth. I have hope because I believe in the power of the grassroots, because I believe in the little ones and the little ways. I have hope because of the unnamed and unnoticed and uncelebrated disciples in our world who simply get on with it. We are engaged in the reality of living out the hope of glory in our real right now lives in the trenches. I'm not always hopeful. Sometimes I'm discouraged and angry, but I can't just walk away. I can't bring myself to abandon hope. In the pursuit of and work of justice, hope is subversive. Hope isn't withdrawal or blind ignorance, it's not burying our heads in the sand and singing about gospel ships coming to take us away, nor is it pretending that it's fine, we're fine, everything's fine. Many things in our world are not fine. Hope dares to admit that. Theologian and scholar Walter Bergman writes beautifully in the prophetic imagination that real hope comes only after despair. Only if we have tasted despair, only if we have known the deep sadness of unfulfilled dreams and promises, only if we can dare to look reality in the face and name it for what it is, can we dare to begin to imagine a better way. Hope is subversive precisely because it dares to admit that all is not as it should be. And so we are holding out for, working for, creating prophesying, protesting, and living into something better. For the kingdom to come, for oaks of righteousness to tower, for leaves to blossom, for the healing of the nations, for swords to be beaten into plowshares, for joy to come in the morning, and for redemption and justice.
0: So when we have hope, we do not simply think that something will get better one day. We act toward it. Hope is acting in a way that confirms what you will believe, that God is doing something good and holy in the world, that there is transformation possible, and that we can be a part of revealing God's heart in our own actions, which leads us then to when everything's running low, the greatest of these things is love. Uh, The passage that... Brought me to thinking about this idea of when I when there's nothing left to say, uh, is the passage that teaches us if if faith is understanding who we are hoping or if faith is understanding who we are trusting, if hope is understanding what we are trusting in, then love is being committed to the method by which we practice our faith and live out our hope. And so here are the words of 1 Corinthians 13. And, and let them speak deeply to you as you think about your own sense of despair or inadequacy or frustration with the way that things are.
2: If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge And if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up and never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever now our only knowledge is now our knowledge is partial and incomplete and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture but when the time of perfection comes these partial things will become useless when i was a child i spoke and thought and reasoned as a child but when i grew up i put away childish things Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love.
0: Thanks. So when we feel like there is nothing left to say, then we cling to faith and hope and love, and we act accordingly, and we act with patience and with consistent kindness, and with never delighting in injustice, but seeking to proclaim and live out truth, to forgive, to not demand our own way or be irritated, these are, the, these are the things that we have to continue to do to maintain the witness that we long to have in the world. Uh, this is not easy stuff to, to figure out, uh, but it's our calling. Racial, racial realities right now, they just add one more layer of complexity uh, to our world and to the church in America right now, um, and, and in the conversations that we might be having with each other in the coming weeks. We developed last week or during, during this past week, a simple uh, tool kit uh, for how to love one another. Well, and we'll distribute that this afternoon in about a half hour, it'll be automatically emailed out to all of you. So you can take a closer look at it. Um, And, you know, the, the original purpose was that it would have some practical ideas for how to love one another as we begin to choose or not to choose to see each other face to face in certain venues, not as a large group gathering yet, but you may choose to start to see each other face to face in other ways that are, uh, that are responsible and, and safe. Um, that was the original purpose, but the image that we created is relevant far beyond COVID-19 and uh and it involves the importance of understanding and communication. So I just wanted to share that with you uh, briefly. There we go. Um, and so, so we created this because when when we understand these things and hold them solid, we are able to have meaningful conversations with all sorts of different perspectives. And we are able to hear and understand each other in new ways. And the church in the, in the United States right now needs to practice this. And so I made a matrix between um, low communication and high communication and low understanding and high understanding. If we function in this lower left corner with low levels of communication and low levels of understanding of one another, what happens is we just get isolated and misunderstood. Okay? Okay. So so nobody's talking about things and nobody's seeking to understand another point of view. Now, if we have higher levels on the right, bottom right, higher levels of communication, but low levels of understanding, we're not seeking to understand where someone else is coming from, but we're having lots of conversations, that leads to a culture where offense is easily taken because everybody's doing the talking and nobody's doing the listening. Conversely, in the upper left, if you have a high level of seeking to understand one another, but you're not communicating well about it, you're left with a lot of confusion about what people are thinking. So, so you might, you, it's, it's almost this, this passive compassion that, no, that doesn't work. Because yes, I feel for you, I'm trying to understand where you're coming from, but there's no lines of communication happening. So you might not know that. So there's, there's easy confusion. But if we work really hard to, to create a culture where there are high levels of understanding, where we are seeking to understand the realities of the other person, in front of us, beside us. And at the same time, we are seeking high levels of communication where we are asking questions, where we are talking, where we are sharing about our feelings and we are together trying to say, I'm learning how, stumbling forward, but learning how to love really well. Help me understand and I'm going to ask you my questions and I'm going to share my own journey at the same time. That's where we get compassionate connection. And so that's going to be true whether you're talking about someone um, who's not yet comfortable engaging in face-to-face interaction at all yet uh, with someone who doesn't see it as a big deal. You people are going to have to understand each other and communicate really well to continue to have an attitude of love because it's really easy to pass judgment on either side. And it's the same thing as we talk about justice issues. We must seek to understand specifically as a predominantly white church, we must seek high levels of understanding of where our brothers and sisters experiences are coming from and having meaningful dialogue about it. Uh, So, so use this tool um, with the rest of it. You can see this is the first page of our PDF that we're going to send out. The second two pages are all practical tips, mostly about COVID-19 and everything. But, um, but I just want to remind you of, of these passages, you know, let us aim for harmony in the church and build each other up. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples, John 13. May the Lord lead your hearts into full understanding and expression of the love of God and the patient endurance that comes from Christ. These are the one and others that we have to continue to lean into during this season because there are major issues in our country that are creating so much deep hurt, and we need to be agents of healing. We need to be agents of honest truth with a loving witness at the exact same time. So you can take a look at that um, in the the days ahead, but just know that we're aware that conversations right now are tricky in so many areas. So we're praying for each other and we're seeking to have high levels of understanding and high levels of, of communication as we do. So uh, what we're going to do is I'm just going to take you through like um, we're almost out of time. I'm just going to take you through two minute uh, just getting rid of everything that's in your mind, a guided space, to go on a, a short walk with Jesus and practice some, some confession in our own lives. And some of you that have a lot of baggage around things like confession, um, because maybe you had a Catholic background or maybe you grew up where there was a lot of guilt. And so when you think about confession, you just think about how, how guilty you are. Confession means proclaiming what's true. So you confess, you know, the, the scripture talk about confessing that Jesus is Lord. So it's not all just I've done wrong. Um, but, but it is a chance to, to be still and acknowledge what is true about us and our own hearts and what's true about God. So just take a few deep breaths um, and, uh, and close your eyes maybe if that's helpful for you. And I want you to, uh, to just settle your, your spirits as we've just kind of tossed a lot of information and a lot of thoughts out. And I want you to go on a walk with Jesus. I should imagine and picture Jesus with you. It's very difficult, like we talked about several weeks ago, imagining the face of Jesus looking at you. But I want you to worry less about the face at this point, and I want you to notice the touch. Jesus puts his hand on your shoulder. You recoil at first because you realize that you are no longer used to touch. But at the same time, it unlocks something in you. It unlocks a reminder that Jesus is for you and with you,
1: rooting you on.
0: So take a moment to look at yourself honestly in that atmosphere of love. And you sense the need to be honest before
1: Jesus, your brother, your friend, and your Lord.
0: So you say, Jesus, this has been really hard for me. I don't know what to do or I know I haven't chosen the best way in these areas.
1: Forgive me. Confess your areas of need. Confess the things that you've done or the things that you've chosen not to do that are not a part of the healing of the world. Hear the words of Jesus speaking, trust in God. Trust also in me. Hear those words. What will faith look like for you this week? Trust in God. Trust also in me, says Jesus. What does hope look like for you this week?
0: Though you may not see me now, in a little while you will see me, Jesus told his disciples. What does it look like for you to
1: walk in hope?
0: Hear the words. As the Father has sent me into the world, I send you. They will know you are my disciples by your love. As the Father has sent me into the world, I will send you. They will know
1: you are my disciples by your love. What will love look like for you this week? Ask Jesus to show you a new step to take in courageous love. Maybe it's a conversation. Maybe it's a book to read. Maybe it's simply a posture of heart where you've been hardened. Pour out your
0: desires that are focused on the self and be filled with Christ as you imagine something fresh. And if nothing comes... As you think about courageous love, we just invite you to open the door of your spirit to God and say, God, I'm available. Please use me. So just rest now, just for a moment, in the grace and love and forgiveness and character of Jesus. And be compelled to compassion and justice.
1: Okay, you can come out of that space
0: thankful that you are not on your own in your journey, even if you feel like you don't have much to say.